Ladies and gentlemen, in the red corner, hailing from the state of Nevada, representing the steam and wise guys, it's the always feared Vegas odds maker. And in the blue corner, the crowd favorite from South Florida, Mark Winning Picks Lawrence. And now, let's get it on. Against the spread, Winning Picks Mark Lawrence. Welcome back, everybody. Once again, this is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and we're all set to go against the spread. For this week number two of the National Football League, week number three in college football, and what a week it was in the National Football League last week. Rather exciting, much like it was in college football, to open up the 2021 football season. And with that, I want to welcome in our co-host, Victor King from King Creole Sports. And Victor, if you're like me, I know you enjoyed the football games this past weekend. Oh, I certainly did. You know, if there was any sort of like an entertainment meter, I'd easily put it up there at nine, maybe nine and a half. It was bookended by a fantastic Thursday night NFL game and a Great, uh, exciting Monday night game as well, and everything in between. Uh, very, very entertaining. Now, for me, uh, I struggled in my NFL Week 1 totals. A little disappointing given, you know, that we had, oh, geez, three months to handicap. But to our credit, our uh, doggies uh, bailed us out to, to some degree with both uh, Tuco winning his totals play and uh, Monkey winning her totals play as well. So we... Uh, uh, got a little bit back in terms of the totals. And then, you know, before we get into our little college football intro, we we have to point out that there's a handicapper out there that had uh, multiple winners last weekend. He had a big fat zero in the loss column. And that was Mark. Now, depending on your line, Mark's executive service over the weekend, 3-0 in college football, 3-0 in the NFL, 6-0 and against the spread, at the very, very least, 5-0-1, and depending on your line in the Wyoming game, but an outstanding weekend. And, you know, I know Mark won't uh, dwell on it too much. He doesn't do that. He leaves the ego at the door. But, you know, someone must point it out. And uh, let's see, three-star Wyoming on Saturday, three-star Toledo, who almost pulled off the upset against Notre Dame, three-star on Arkansas State, who covered with the five-and-a-half points, uh, Sunday in the NFL, opening week game of the year, Pittsburgh Steelers plus six points, an outright winner for Mark as they hung tough in the first half and really looked good in the second half against the Buffalo Bills. Uh, the Cleveland Browns was a three-star play from Mark's executive service covering against Kansas City thanks to a early lead in the game. And it was all wrapped up with a Monday night outright underdog winner on the Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders at a very exciting game. But, Mark, you got to be tickled to death, and I, I I can't see where you probably had a combined week one of the season that wasn't any better than this last weekend. No, it was absolutely outstanding, Victor. I slept like a baby all weekend long, <laughs> I can tell you that. <laughs> Other than getting back to the newsletter grind Sunday night, Monday throughout the days up until Tuesday till we got the issue completed, but... It was fun to watch, and it's always fun uh, when you enjoy what you're watching. It's fun when you're winning what it is you're watching, and uh, I can say this, that uh, I'm happy for our customers because they're the ones who are the people that we do all this work for, and uh, it was nice to see that uh, they were rewarded as well as we were. It was, uh, like you say, Victor, an outstanding week uh, in college football. I'm glad to see right now college football being where it is. It's really, really nice to see fans in the stands, uh, both on both sides of the ball, college football and the NFL. We're going to talk about that in the NFL in just a moment. But the momentum that these fans carry into football games uh, for the teams, I, I think, is uh, immeasurable. And uh, we saw it last week, uh, largely more so in the National Football League than the college football. But what a view it was to watch in the big house, Michigan, 106,000 cheering fans packed wall to wall. Uh, Ohio State the same way at the horseshoe. Uh, it's really, really nice to see that college football is back on its feet. Definitely, Mark. Uh, and we're getting into that time of the year. We're only, what, two full weeks into the college football season. But we're already seeing uh, some teams perhaps getting ready to push the panic button and uh, the question for this week is how worried should programs like Ohio State or Florida State or 
uh, Notre Dame really, really be? Uh, is two weeks too soon to panic? Not with the uh, fans in a frenzy in college football. Ohio State, of course, you just mentioned, they lost their first regular season game under Ryan Day, uh, first at home since 2017. Texas looked really good at Steve Sarkeesian's first win over Louisiana, but they got steamrolled by former Southwest Conference rival Arkansas. Uh, I don't know if Texas is quite ready for the SEC yet, but a big win for Arkansas. I can't remember the last time I saw the Razorbacks in the top 25, but there they are. And, of course, you know, Sarkeesian's old team, USC, made many mistakes in that 42-28 to loss to Stanford. And it actually cost Clay Helton his job with USC, so uh, a surprising coaching change. Uh, his other former team, Washington, continues to look basically punchless on offense. They fell to 0-2. The game we talked about last week, Mark, Iowa State, they still can't beat Iowa. And uh, the surprising thing for me was the fact that three-year starting quarterback Brock Purdy was actually benched in the fourth quarter of that particular game. A game in which uh, us underbetters feel very, very fortunate that we won that one because it uh, it took a last-second chip field goal miss for us to cash the under in that particular game. But that's another story. You know, Florida State lost to an FCS opponent for the first time since 1978. They're stumbled to 0-2. Even Miami's win down here against Appalachian State. Uh, they almost have had this exact same start as Florida State at 0-2. Texas A&M a little bit surprising. A top 25 team, they basically needed, a, what, a backup quarterback to rally past Colorado 10-7. to And, uh, of course, the Notre Dame, uh, something's wrong with Notre Dame. They're hurting on defense. They're allowing more than five yards per carry on defense in terms of rushing. They almost lost to Toledo. But there is definitely a time to panic right now in college football, especially for some of the larger uh, big-name programs. Yeah, it sure is, Victor. Uh, some of these big-name programs are indeed trembling a bit right now, but I know you can't overreact, uh, after, especially after one game, but after two games, uh, patterns begin to develop, and you're wondering whether or not we're seeing those at this stage of the football season. Uh, I will say this about uh, the football season to date in college football. Uh, we saw Clay Hilton fired at Southern Cal, and was this a surprise? Yes, it was at this early stage of the football season. It was a surprise. I think there have been a lot of people calling for his head the past couple of years. And uh, uh, the foopaw of what happened last week with Southern Cal just uh, absolutely was the last iron. And uh, he's gone looking for a new job. The next guy in the list could be Mike Norvell at Florida State, who signed a big, big contract with the Seminoles and appeared to have that football program headed in the right direction until they dropped the ball against Jacksonville State last week, so he instantly sits on the hot seat right now as we speak. Other notes that I have in college football is this. Uh, perhaps, arguably, to me, the most overrated team in college football right now, and you're going to think I'm crazy because they just knocked off the Ohio State Buckeyes, might be Oregon. Uh, and I'm saying that just because of what it is that I do. And that's uh, from our midweek alert, charting the stats against the performance and the scoreboard, so forth and whatnot. You've got a 2-0 Oregon football team that has been out-yarded in both of their victories thus far this football season. And that only goes so far uh, it, when you get deeper and deeper into the football season. Uh, and I will also say that a couple of sleeper teams that I would keep an eye out right now from what I've seen so far to begin the football season. Number one, Liberty, the Flames. They don't get much in the form of accolades. Hugh Freeze has done a terrific job with this program since he's taken it over. And they have the ability to annihilate the teams that are in front of them right now. They've got this go-for-the-throat mentality, and it's working really, really well for that program. Another, And I think they could also, by the way, when they head into Mississippi in November, they could well be 9-0 and Liberty. So don't jump off that freight train. And the other team I would take a uh, a look at as far as a sleeper team is concerned. And we saw their performance last week was the Colorado Buffaloes against Texas A&M. That was not a fluke by the Buffaloes. I mentioned this in the Playbook Preview Guide magazine. I've mentioned it in the write-ups in the Playbook Football Newsletter. Carl Durrell is a coach that the players would run through a brick wall for. And he started out real well last year. He lost his last two games of the season. And it's not a fluke that they took Texas A&M down to the wire and nearly beat that football team. So put those two teams, if you will, on the watch list anyway from now early on in the football season, Liberty and Colorado. 
You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence Against the Spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. I'm visiting with Victor King from King Creole Sports. And Victor, let's hop over to the National Football League side of things, where, again, maybe we don't overreact to what we saw in week number one. I think that's a, a big mistake that people commonly make. But obviously, there were some concerns, if you will, in the National Football League about what it is we saw last week. And uh, I think right at the top of the list, uh, two concerns. Number one, what happened to the Green Bay Packers? And number two, what happened to the Tennessee Titans? Any words of wisdom on those two thoughts, Victor? Yeah, we talked a little bit uh, with uh, our buddy from the office here, Gary, before the show. And that's surprising. Tennessee's offense is surprising. That was one of our, you know, over-unders from the newsletter that we lost in week one. That particular game, I think they were at 51 points going into the fourth quarter, Tennessee and Arizona. And there was a scoreless fourth quarter that uh, turned our easy winner into a difficult loser. But for me, it's what Tennessee stumbled on offense. And this could very well be the fact that, you know, they lost their offensive coordinator. He went to Atlanta. Uh, they were so high in play-action passing last year. That's one of the reasons they had one of the better offenses in the NFL, and they just looked totally lost against the Arizona Cardinals, and now they got to travel west to play Seattle. That is going to be a difficult game for the Tennessee Titans. Uh, we also got to talk about the fact that uh, NFL underdogs in Week 1, man, oh, man, were they best in show? They certainly were. Not only did NFL underdogs go 12 and 4 ATS, and obviously that's you know one of the reasons uh, that uh, Mark had such a very very good Sunday, that perfect Sunday. But not only did NFL underdogs go 12 and 4 against the spread, but they went nine and seven straight up. That means nine of those 12 underdogs that cover actually won their game outright. It was the best Week One performance for underdogs in 19 years. Wow. Uh, week one division dogs, 32 and 10 now in the last eight years. That obviously was the play last week. And both of those week one division dogs won and covered. That was Houston at home as a home dog against Jacksonville. Miami on the road as a road dog against New England. So week one division dogs, 32 and 10 last eight years. Again, a fantastic start for the underdogs in the NFL. One more thing I got to say is, Mark, the West is the best, man. Have you taken a look at the AFC West and the NFC West standings? Every single team is 1-0. and Now, we thought that, you know, the NFC West from top to bottom is probably the best division in the NFL. But not only are they a combined 4-0, and so are the teams in the AFC West. With uh, Las Vegas winning as an, uh, as an underdog, the Chargers winning on the road as an underdog, the Chiefs winning, the Denver Broncos winning. Uh, my one final note on the team that I'm following a lot this season, and that is the Chargers. On the surface, eh, they beat Washington 20-16, to no big deal. I beg to differ. Uh, they dominated that game against Washington. They had 29 more offensive snaps. They had a net yardage of plus 160 in the game. That's 160 more yards than Washington. They had a 70% on third down conversion rate. 14 out of 19, and they had a 12-minute edge in time of possession. So I think the uh, uh, sky is the limit for this particular team this season. The Chargers already winning a one-score game. And, of course, we talked last week about the fact that they lost 16 in the last two seasons. So a good start for the Chargers. Real good start for the Chargers. You mentioned uh, the West being the best, and I hit on that in the coffee club, I believe, this morning about just that and the fact that uh, all – Eight teams from the West Divisions in the AFC-NFC won their games, and only one of them failed to cover the spread. That one was the Kansas City Chiefs, who did it again in their game against the Browns. Uh, They come back and win the football game, just uh, a heartbreak killer for the Browns and their fans. But Kansas City did it again. Last year, they went 9-0 straight up and 0-8-1 against the spread in one-score football games. They lost again that way this year. So keep an eye out for that and see if that trend doesn't continue, especially Kansas City being the fabled Super Bowl loser this year. I think this football team is going to struggle this year as opposed to what they did the past two football seasons. And one other note that I have here is uh, you talked about you know Tennessee losing offensive coordinator Arthur Smith as the head coach. 
uh, for Atlanta, and Atlanta got roasted by Philadelphia. The Eagles had to be a surprise team, and I don't think anybody saw that coming, a 26-point win in Atlanta. I don't know if the Eagles are that good, but they certainly caught Atlanta with their pants down. And in moving on, before we go to the break here, uh, my thought about National Football League teams and what we saw in Week 1, and the team that I would definitely keep an eye on personally, I think that can make the biggest stride moving forward this year from last year, would be the Dallas Cowboys. We saw what they did against Tampa Bay on Thursday night when they lost the football game by two points, covered the spread as a double-digit dog, and out-yarded the Bucks by 20 yards in the contest. This offense for Dallas is absolutely potent, with Dak Prescott being back. He threw for over 400 yards. And the three wide receivers they have, they may be the best trio in all of the National Football League, and C.D. Lamb, Amari Cooper, and Michael Gallup. That's very, very difficult to stop an offense like that. And this Dallas defense comes anywhere close to coming around this year. I think they will walk away with the NFC East, so keep an eye on the Cowboys this football season. Uh, one more quick note before we go, and I can't help myself. I, all these stats and everything in front of me from last week is an unusual occurrence happened in the NFL last week, and statistically, from that standpoint, uh, what I look for a lot of is teams winning games inside out, winning the game, losing the stats, and vice versa. But when you do it by 100 yards, that's a big red flag. Well, two teams did that last week. The Buffalo Bills lost their game to Pittsburgh and out-yarded the Steelers by almost 120 yards. The Miami Dolphins upended New England and lost that football game by over 130 yards. And the coincidence in that is those two teams are playing one another this week. Buffalo off that big inside-out stat loss and Miami off that big inside-out stat win. Let's watch and see what happens in this football game when Buffalo comes down here to Miami. We're going to talk about that for our NFL Game of the Week. This is Mark Lawrence with Victor King. Don't go away. We'll get into our Game of the Week when we're back with more here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. All new Playbucks tokens are here. Earn rewards and get up to $100 in free Playbucks tokens to use as you choose. And with your Playbucks tokens, you can use them for Playbook Experts picks and selections. Plus, you earn 20% in free bonus tokens when you do. If you haven't got your $100 in free Playbucks tokens, do so now. You're tuned into Mark Lawrence against the spread. And now, let's throw it back to Mark. Welcome back, everybody. Once again, this is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and it's time for our college football game of the week. And what a beauty we've got on tap this week. It doesn't get any better than the Florida Gators hosting Alabama in the swamp this week. Victor, what's your take on this big Southeast Conference showdown this Saturday? I like it. I like both of our games. Uh, both of our games, uh, college football and the NFL, have a Sunshine State theme to them, and that's going to be game number one here. Played in the swamp, number one Alabama, number 11 Florida. It's one of only three NCAA games this week in which both teams are in the top 25. The other two games being what Auburn, Penn State, and Arizona State against BYU. We're kicking off uh, down here at the Swamp at, what, 3.30 Eastern, CBS TV. Alabama opened 14. They're around a minus 15-point road favorite right now. The over-underline opened at 58. I've seen it jump up a full point, so up to 59 as we record our podcast here on Wednesday. And again, 59, a fairly low number compared to some of the gaudy scores of last year, Alabama one and one over under on the season. They went under by four and a half points in their game one win against the uh, Hurricanes. In that game, the over under line was 61 and a half, final score 44 to 13. They did go over the total in last week's game two win against FCS Mercer. And in that particular game, the outlaw over under line was 60 and a half, and uh, Alabama won 48 to 14. Uh, to me, the 14 points scored by Mercer is interesting. This is usually a type of game that, you know, Alabama would want to hold this particular FCS opponent to less than double digits, and they did not. It's got me leaning a little bit toward the over in this week's game against Florida. The Gators also coming in one and one over under on the season. They went under by two and a half points in their game one win against Florida Atlantic. In that game, the over-under line was 51.5, final score 35-14. to 14. 
They did go over the total in uh, their game two win against South Florida by five points last week. In that game, the over-under line was 57, and the final score was 42-20. to 20, And you really, really can't ignore the fact that uh, this is one of the few teams. In fact, I believe there's only three teams right now in college football. Of course, we're only two weeks into the season, but yet... Only three teams are averaging, what, 600 or more yards of offense. And the Gators are one of those. They had 666 yards of offense in that win against South Florida last week. And you want to talk balance, you certainly got it. They had 363 offensive yards on the ground and 303 through the air. I know we don't have uh, those impact players of the 2020 season playing for Florida. Kyle Trask is gone. Kyle Pitts is gone. And, uh, oh, Tony's gone, too, to the New York Giants. With that said, we've still got two capable quarterbacks there in the swamp in both Emory Jones and the dynamic Anthony Robinson. We're going to probably see both quarterbacks on Sunday against Alabama, a Alabama team that is uh, through two games at, what, 463 yards per game on offense. Good balance for them as well, 153 yards rushing. 310 yards per game passing, and that's where we get to our suggestion on over the total in this particular game. Let's not forget that last year, Alabama games averaged 67.9 points per game. That's 48.5 on offense and 19.4 on defense, and they did go 8-5 and five over under, and we all know what Florida did last year. They were a 8-4 and four over under team. The average Gator game averaged 70.6 points per game. Here's the clincher for me. You know, uh, we mentioned uh, that last year these two teams, you know, played in the SEC championship game. It was a basically a game for the ages. Final score was, what, 54 to 46? That's what I call an over. The last five meetings in this series, all five have gone over the total. Average line, 49.3. Average score, 64.6. Average margin when the Gators play the Tide, plus 15.3 points per game. You know, based on the point spread right now and the over-under line, the predicted final score in this game is Alabama 37, Florida 22. We think Florida gets a few more points at home in the swamp in front of their fans I see this game somewhere around 38 to 27, maybe 38 to 28, but somewhere around 65 to 66 points. And, Mark, we're going to be going over the total in the swamp, uh, especially at this current line of 59 points. Victor likes a lot of points in the scoreboard between the Gators and the Tide this Saturday when these two football teams hook up. He's going over the total in that game. I think this is the best-looking football game on the card this week. It was one reason why we, we did it, uh, nationally ranked football teams, two top ten teams. Uh, the Florida Gators lost to Alabama in the SEC championship game last year, so that memory is still fresh on their minds. They were taken down 52-46 to 46 as 16-point dogs. They played very, very competitive, covered the point spread in that game, and they're taking a similar number that way here this year. You talk about a head coach in Dan Mullen. He knows how to take care of games when he's getting double digits. As a home dog, he's 5-0 and to the spread as a double-digit home dog is Dan Mullen. And in fact, as a home dog of any kind with the Florida Gators, he's been in that role twice. He's won both of those games straight up. You're talking about Alabama, a football team that is favored almost every game they play. And in fact, they've been an underdog only one time as Alabama the last 10 years. That was back when they took a point and a half against Georgia and beat them 38-10 to 10 in that football game. So the odds makers won't be making that mistake anytime soon, dogging up the Crimson Tide. Nick Saban for Alabama comes in here with a mediocre record when he's a conference favorite of 17 or fewer points. He's only 30-33 and 33 against the spread. 1-4 and four to the spread in that role within the first three games of the football season. Alabama is indeed a targeted football team, given the fact that they did win the national championship last season. And knowing that there's never been a repeat college football playoff winner since the inception of the college football playoff and the targeting on Alabama, I look for them to have a few bumps along the way getting to the playoffs this year. This could be one of those football games. The tie just 6-11-1 to the spread when they're road favorites against undefeated football teams. 
One final thought on this football game, and it comes from our Playbook Football Newsletter this week, and I think it's very, very uh, uh, illuminating, eye-opening, if you will, is our incredible stat of the week. We called out the fact that Nick Saban is 8-18 and to the spread when he's favored by that more than 14 points with the Tide in games in which the Tide's rushing offense is less than the opponent's rushing offense, and including 1-11 and to the spread the last six games that way, in the first six games of the season, I should say that way. Just for what it's worth, Alabama happens to be the number one ranked team in rushing so far out of the gate in college football this year. With that, I'm taking all the points with the Florida Gators for my side in this big Southeast Conference showdown game. Don't go away. When Victor and I come back, we're going to tear down our NFL Game of the Week. It's the Buffalo-Miami game that we previewed early on the onset of the show. We'll do that game and come back with more here on Mark Lawrence against the spread. If you haven't seen Andy Isco's The Logical Approach Football Newsletter, then you owe it to yourself to download this week's newsletter in time for the football games this week. Check out the new issue every week at TheLogicalApproach.com. See what winning football information is all about at TheLogicalApproach.com. You're listening to Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Now, back to the action. Welcome back, everybody. Once again, this is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and we're going against the spread on this weekend's college and pro football card. It's time for our NFL football game of the week. We're going to go to a big AFC showdown battle when the Buffalo Bills invade Miami down here in Miami to take on the Dolphins. Victor, how do you see this AFC East battle shaping up this Sunday? Yeah, our home opener for the 1-0 Dolphins. Uh, Very exciting down here. Buffalo open, what, minus three? I'm seeing a couple of three-and-a-halves out there right now for the Bills, uh, so it looks like a little bit of action on the road team. It looks like there's a little bit of action on the under as well. It opened at 48-and-a-half, and I'm currently seeing lines of uh, there's some 48s out there. There's a couple of 47-and-a-halves out there. I will say this. This is the highest over-under line in this Miami-Buffalo series since way back in 1992 when there was a 49 and a half. And of course, if we're talking about the early 90s, we're talking about the great Buffalo Bills and the Jim Kelly years. So it is a long time in this series since we have seen a line this high. Justifiable, given the fact that, you know, Buffalo was a killer over team last season in their uh, regular season and playoff games. They went 12, 5, and 2 last year, 53.1 combined points per game. Now, both of these teams began last week's action by going under the total in their respective games. For Buffalo, their over-under line in the home game against the Steelers was 47.5, a similar number. They lost that game 16-23. to They lost by a full seven points. The game went under by 8.5 points against the Steelers. Despite the fact that Buffalo had a respectable 371 yards of offense. For the Dolphins, you know, last week they went under in their road victory against the Patriots. I believe we used the Dolphins-Patriots under as our playbook uh, tip sheet trend over under play. And we cashed on that one last week and we're fortunate to do that. That game went under by 10 against the Patriots in which the over under line was 43 and the final score was 17-16. to 16. Now, let's take a look at this series. And let's take a look at the last five meetings. Just like Alabama and Florida, the last five meetings of this Dolphins-Bills series have all gone over the total. Average line, 41.4. Average score, 61.8. Now, that's what I call high scoring. The average margin in the last five meetings plus 20.4 that basically means that the average game has gone over by almost three full touchdowns when the Dolphins play the Bills let's not forget last year down here in Miami these two teams combined for 59 in the rematch in week 16 against Buffalo you remember that game that ugly Dolphins lost 82 points were scored in that particular game I've got uh, you know when we originally you know discussed this game I like the under. The more I look at it, the more I research it, it's going to be the over or a pass for me in this particular game. And that's based on three key systems I dug out of the database. 
the fact that Miami's off a dog win while Buffalo is off a favorite loss. And I did query that in the database. Uh, sample size is small, but the number is significant nevertheless. 9-0 over under, dating back to 2016. For NFL, home underdogs have less than a touchdown when they're off a dog win and their opponent is off a straight-up favorite loss. And the over-under line in the game is over 41 points. That 9-0 applies to this game, Dolphins and Bills. How about another query where we look at teams who both went under the total in their first game of the season, like these two teams did? Glad you asked. Since 2004, 30, 11, and 2 over-under. That's 30 overs, only 11 unders. All NFL Game 2s, when both teams went under the total in Game 1, when the over-under line is 42 or more points, this game applies. In the last six years, it's done even better. 15 overs, three unders. Uh, and finally, last year in the NFL, division games in which the home team was a dog of three or more, like Miami is, and the over-under line was over 46 points. These games went 12, 3, and 1 over-under last year. They averaged 59.6 points per game. You know which way we're leaning in this one, but we're going to draw the line in the sand, Mark, at 48 points. If the line in your game is 48 and a half or higher, we're passing. But if the line in your game is less than 48 points, we're going to come out with a normal play on over the total in Buffalo, Miami. We're liking the over, but draw your line in the sand, Mark, at 48 points. 48 points being the key number in the Bills-Dolphins game this Sunday. If we see it, Victor goes under the total for his side in that contest. As we alluded to on the opening of the show, this matchup here today is a unique matchup in the sense that Buffalo lost their game, yet won the stats against Pittsburgh 371 to 251 yards. On the flip side, Miami beat New England, yet lost the stats 353 to 229 yards. I should say. That's a double inside-out stat play that comes heavily to the Buffalo Bills in this contest here. Miami beats New England for one reason and one reason only, and that's because their running back Damian Harris fumbled the football with New England in the red zone late in the football game when they were down by the final score of one point. Other than that, Miami comes home here 0-1 rather than 1-0, and Buffalo takes to the division road now at 0-1 because of that loss. That loss was not Sean McDermott's best game plan play calling. I will say that Allen threw the football for 51 times, 51 passes, completed them for only 270 yards on 30 completions. That's not a very, very good number for a premier quarterback in the sense like Josh Allen happens to be. Last year, Buffalo took care of business against the division. They beat all six or they won all six games against all three division opponents coming into this football game. Looking at the Miami Dolphins in this football contest here, Tua did a decent job. He did a Tua-like job. His numbers that he puts up are never going to be eye-opening or impressive. He was 16 for 27 for only 202 yards in the football game. But it was still a win for Miami over the New England Patriots. And with that, I know how Miami has in the past let down in football games after taking on New England, especially when they beat them the last five times that Miami has managed to win over the Patriots. They've dumped and gone 0-5 to the spread in the five follow-up football games. With that, I'm going to ride the Buffalo Bills in this football game and lay the points against Miami for my side in this football game on Sunday. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And it's time for one of our favorite segments on the show once again as we hop out to Las Vegas to get the Vegas vibe from our good friend Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And Andy, I know it's been probably a hectic week in Vegas this first week of the National Football League and college football with a couple of games under their belt. I hope you're enjoying the action as much as we are. Yeah, I, I am, Mark. And first of all, just to uh, quote that uh, famous sportscaster from ESPN, 
nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> but um, nonetheless, uh, for me, with all the running around I was doing getting set for this season, I called that the storm before the calm. So now the calm allows me to get back into a, a normal routine, routine rather. And it was a, a very exciting, a very surprising first weekend with all the upsets in the, uh, in the NFL. But the crowds were back at the sports books and throughout the casinos, and uh, especially this past Monday night uh, with our local team, the Raiders, in action and the dramatic uh, conclusion to that game, the game-tying field goal at the end of regulation, the uh, wacky overtime period, uh, you could hear noise uh, from down the block from casino to casino, and that's just a, a preview of what's going to occur as the uh, balance of this NFL season unfolds. Andy, was that anything similar to when Mike Tyson lost uh, that boxing match? I believe it was Buster Douglas who beat him like as a 40-to-100 dog. I was in Vegas for that particular – that day it happened, and uh, I will never remember. We were in what was in the Las Vegas Hilton, and the complete casino went stone dead quiet. Was it the complete opposite in Vegas when the Raiders came back and won their Monday night football game in uh, in their first football game ever at Allegiant Stadium? I would imagine, like you say, it was probably pandemonium on the strip that day. Well, it was, and of course, it's the first game in front of fans they played last year. Did not have great success. Uh, I think they right. clearly missed the fans being there last year. But uh, just to uh, uh, to give an indication, you know, the Raiders have always been a popular team in Las Vegas, dating back really to their days as the Los Angeles Raiders. Raiders after their initial move from Oakland, but now that they are the local team, uh, there's a tremendous amount of attention, similar to that, and probably even I'd argue in greater greater than that, given to the uh, Vegas Golden Knights. As they first came into the league, and they continue to uh, generate a tremendous uh, in enthusiasm. Of course, the NFL is king overall, so you're going to get a wider uh, audience, more of a casual audience than you do just say, for example, at the uh, Buster Douglas uh, event that you that you referred to back. I think it was like 1990 or 1991. And then, of course, you uh, consider the uh, uh, the Raiders and the way that they attract a very outspoken crowd let's say and there was a lot of enthusiasm being displayed through uh, throughout the the uh, uh, throughout the city and throughout the casinos and that's just uh, going to continue especially if they uh, if they continue to win i'll be interested to see what the reaction will be in the casino this weekend when they play that early game that 10 a.m. Uh, local starting time game in pittsburgh where they are um, uh, i won't say solid underdogs but decided underdogs against the pittsburgh team that uh, uh, played two different halves last week in buffalo well, it certainly as appears to uh, seem to be that the, the fans will support the Raiders in Las Vegas, much like they do the hockey team, the, uh, the Knights there as well. I had heard uh, on some markets that tickets were selling for $1,000 for that Raiders football game. I mean, I guess that was a must-have hard-to-get ticket, Andy. Well, actually, uh, a little bit of history here. The uh, A lot of the folks who bought season tickets, PSLs and season tickets, did so with the thought of reselling their tickets on the secondary market. And so as a result, we saw a lot of uh, uh, people in Baltimore Raven jerseys over the course of this past weekend who had bought tickets to go to the game uh, at uh, at Allegiant Stadium uh, from, from out of town. And I think that's going to be something we're going to see throughout the season. Now, the Raiders fans are still going to outnumber the visiting fans, but the visiting fans will be a significant part of uh, the crowd at, uh, at Raiders home games because of the fact that so many people looked at uh, season ticket holders looked at this as an investment and currently there are uh, I don't I haven't heard of any I don't believe there are any restrictions on who can or cannot sell or resell tickets now the Golden Knights a few years ago had some restrictions as far as being uh, restricted as far as selling tickets to uh, out-of-town people they wanted to keep it a local crowd I'm not sure if the Raiders govern this or if the NFL governs this but I see no reason uh, why they would but uh, nonetheless it's going to be a very vocal crowd. And I think having a significant portion of the opposing fans in the ballpark also works towards the advantage of the home team. It did Monday night, that was for sure, Andy. I think the home team helped spur the Raiders on. They were lethargic to begin the football game, but a much different team uh, when the football game ended. We're visiting with Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas, publisher of one of the finest football newsletters in the nation, you can log on at TheLogicalApproach.com to download Andy's newsletter this week. You'll be do it. Log on at TheLogicalApproach.com for a wealth of information coming your way from Andy Isco. 
And with that, Andy, it's time to do what we do every year, and that's get an update of the contests that are going on in Las Vegas. And I know there have been a couple of changes to the contest to the two major big boys, the Superbook and the Circa. And I'll give you the honors, and if you will, bring us up to speed on what's going on with those two contests thus far. Sure. Let's let's start with the uh, Las Vegas Super Contest, formerly the Hilton, then the LVH, and now the Westgate uh, Super Contest. Uh, this year, uh, after a down year in 2020 due largely to the pandemic and the uh, competition uh, by the uh, new, the, the relatively new Circa properties, uh, the long-standing and I'm going back about nine, ten years. Uh, geometric growth of entries in the uh, Westgate uh, dropped last year to the fact where they went from about 3,300 entries in 2019 to about 1,300 entries last year. Uh, There were a number of reasons for it. Uh, A couple of changes were made, as you referenced. The entry fee dropped from 1,500, which it had been since the inception of the contest, I believe, in 1988. And uh, the 8% fee that they took out as an administrative fee, which basically turned into a profit center, has been eliminated so that 100% of the prize pool, of of the entry fees, now go into the prize pool. So we saw a bounce back. In fact, about a 50% increase from last year, just under 2,000 entries this year in the uh, Westgate Super Contest. Uh, They also have the Super Contest Gold, which has been a $5,000 entry fee. There had been no rake, 100%. Went to the winner-take-all of that contest, and there was a drop-off this year, which I guess is good for the contestants, even though uh, the the, the, uh, the prize pool will be, uh, what, about uh, 400 and. Uh, $30,000 as far as the uh, number of uh, uh, the amount of money that will be won. 86 contestants this year. And normally each week I go over the results of the consensus, the top five picks. In both contests, you pick five games against a static point spread. Comes out Wednesday afternoon here in Vegas. Lines, The contest lines don't change even though the betting lines on the games may very well and often, in fact, usually do change. In the uh, Super Contest, that's the big contest with the almost 2,000 entries, the top five selections this week went two and three. The winners were on Las Vegas uh, plus the points against Baltimore and San Francisco. There's an example of a line that moved. The contest line was seven and a half. San Francisco minus seven and a half. Uh, that's where the line was basically for most of the summer till some late action came in. The game actually closed at nine. And, of course, when you're up 38-10 to 10 with the 49ers, you figure you're in good shape. But, of course, we all know Detroit rallied, ended up cutting the uh, margin to eight points. So the contest covered, even though the uh, late, the, the weekend betters did not cover. So those were the two winners, the Vegas, Las Vegas and San Francisco. The number one selection overall was the Washington football team. Uh, they uh, lost outright. New England also lost outright as a uh, field goal, field goal and a half uh, favorite. And uh, the Green Bay Packers in uh, one of the more shot, what will end up, I think, being perhaps the most shocking upset or most shocking result of the season. So two and three with the content- consensus in the uh, regular Super Contest. Two, two and one was the result in the Super Contest gold. Uh, the winners were uh, also Las Vegas and San Francisco. The losers, the top two selections in this contest, New England was the top selection followed by Washington, and then there was a push in the contest. Uh, The New York Jets were the number five selection. Now, in the uh, Super Contest, the line had the Jets minus five, which is where the, uh, sorry, uh, um, Carolina minus five. So Carolina won that game 19-14. That's where the line was on Wednesday afternoon when the contest lines came out. I'll contrast that to the Circa, uh, which I'll get to in just a moment, uh, where the line was uh, three and a half. So if you bet Carolina in the Circa, if you played Carolina when the line had, had dropped overnight, uh, Wednesday into Thursday, you had a winner in the Super Contest. The number five selection, the Jets, and of course their opponent Carolina, ended up in pushes. Now, as far as the Circa goes, uh, that uh, contest started. The Circa Million started two years ago in 2019. As I mentioned, took a lot of business away, especially last year, 2020, uh, from the uh, uh, from the Westgate Super Contest. Uh, Derek Stevens and the folks over at Circa guaranteed a million and a half dollars in a prize fund in 2019. They exceeded the number of entries required to meet that guarantee. Last year, they upped it to uh, 3,000 entries that needed a $3 million guaranteed guaranteed, uh, prize pool for the Circa Million. Uh, And uh, they, again, exceeded that. This year, the guarantee for the Circa Million pool was uh, $4 million. So they needed 4,000 entries. And it looked for the most time that they were not going to come close to it. And that late spurt, they ended up getting 4,000 
and uh, I think it was 4,067 entries in that contest. So they just covered barely enough to meet the guarantee without any money out of the uh, circus pockets. Again, this contest is a $1,000 entry fee. It's styled almost identically to the uh, uh, the Westgate uh, contest, as I just talked about. By the way, I will mention, because I... Uh, may not be obvious. Sides only in these contests. There are no totals that are allowed to be picked in these contests. Uh, in week one for the Circa Sports Million Three, the third year of the contest, uh, the uh, Washington football team and the, uh, Las, Ve- uh, the Las Vegas Raiders uh, both uh, failed to cover the spread. Washington was the most popular choice of the 4,067 entries. 1,405 had uh, Washington on their ticket. Three winners, however, Carolina, as I just mentioned, laying three and a half in the Circa contest, one by five. San Francisco uh, laying seven and a half, as with the Westgate, they one and Las Vegas Monday night uh, uh, was a winner. I, I misspoke before. I couldn't read my writing. Green Bay was the team in addition to Washington that lost. Green Bay was the fifth most popular choice. So winners on Carolina, San Francisco, Las Vegas, losers on Washington, Green Bay. Three and two for the consensus in the first week of the Circa Million. Then we have the Circa Survivor Contest, which is a last man standing, winner take all, with uh, a provision that is common to most uh, last-man-standing contests that are straight up, as this one is, not point spread, straight up, you cannot pick the same team more than once. So you're, uh, the contest, the season runs to 18 weeks, the uh, NFL season. The contest runs 20 weeks because the three games on Thanksgiving Day are considered a separate week. So contestants need to make sure they have at least one of those teams available for Thanksgiving. And then similarly on Christmas, uh, December 23rd, Thursday, and then December 25th, Christmas Day, Saturday, total of three games. That's a separate week. Uh, There were 4,080 contestants uh, or entries made in the Survivor Contest. However, the guarantee for this pool, $6 million. So there's a a $1.9 million overlay as you have 4,080 entries competing at $1,000 each for a $6 million prize pool. The three most popular picks in this prize pool, in, in this Survivor Pool this week, all won with the Rams, the biggest selection at 1287, the 49ers at 935, and Tampa Bay coming back late against Dallas uh, to win that game, 471. So of the 4,080 entries, 2693 advanced just from the first uh, three selections. However, 650 of the 4,080 entries of uh, 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 lost, so failed to advance. Actually, I believe it's 656 or 658 because I believe there were six or eight that did not, uh, for some reason, make a selection. The team that went down the most this this, uh, opening week, Jacksonville, 179 contestants were on Jacksonville. Atlanta had 163 backers. Buffalo had 101 backers in their upset loss to Pittsburgh. Also eliminated uh, were selections on Minnesota, New England, Green Bay, Tennessee and Washington and Baltimore, each of whom had between 19 and 75 contestants. And then there were some really brave souls who I guess uh, must have uh, tons of money that the $1,000 is just a throwaway for them. Two picked the Giants over Denver. Two picked the Jets over Carolina. One picked uh, uh, Detroit in their contest against San Francisco. And one picked the Bears in their Sunday night contest against the Rams. So uh, six people went down picking some very long shots this week to uh, pull the upsets. As I say, there were upsets, uh, but not the ones that uh, those hardy souls uh, had anticipated. So uh, going into uh, week two, uh, it's uh, just about 3,400 and change remaining alive in the Circus Survivor Contest. Andy, before I hand it over to you for your complimentary play, Perhaps a quick review of some of the line moves that occurred, or the, uh, I, I don't know if they're line moves. You're talking about games that moved away from what was the perceived uh, numbers from uh, the Superbook that were sent out for week number two. Any major side moves that you've seen from those as opposed to what they came out this week? Well, a- actually, a couple of points here. The, the Westgate has done two different, did two different things this year. Number one, they put out lines that you could actually bet on for all uh, 18 weeks of the uh, of the season uh, over the summer. So right now, I've got lines going all the way through uh, uh, through week 18, which is January uh, 9th. They say, they they say 2021. They mean 2022 uh, that you can bet on, and they adjust the lines each week, and they also put out the advanced lines. Uh, 
a week and a half before the games that are played. And the other thing they've done this year, and this is also a significant change, uh, they actually put out totals in the advance uh, wagering, not just for the entire season, or not just for the week, uh, week and a half ahead, but for the entire season. So, for example, uh, I'll go to uh, week uh, 18, which is the most uh, hazardous week of the season aside from week one. Uh, Pittsburgh at Baltimore. Uh, Baltimore uh, was a five and a half point home favorite. The total in this game, 44. That game's going to be played in uh, three and a half months on January 9th of next year. So they've got that for all uh, six, all 18 weeks. And if I'm able to find a way to get uh, a copy of that posted, I'll try and do so. I haven't seen a PDF on that. But nonetheless, uh, for example, for week two, most of the moves have really been in the totals. And that's not to be uh, unexpected because totals tend to be more volatile than uh, point spreads. But there were some significant results in week one worth mentioning. Washington and, and the Giants Thursday night. Uh, the week two advance line was Washington five and a half. Uh, now both teams lost, but uh, uh, Washington was much more competitive in their game against uh, 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 the Chargers than were the Giants against Denver. That line has gone from five and a half down to three and three and a half favoring Washington. Uh, New Orleans with their big win, they were one and a half point favorites at Carolina, who won, but uh, not quite as impressively. That line is up to uh, three and a half. Uh, other moves that were more than just a couple of points, uh, the Denver Broncos at Jacksonville. Jacksonville favored on the road against Houston, surprisingly, and they were uh, no contest there. Denver, meanwhile, did what was expected, perhaps a little bit more impressive, at least in the latter stages of the game. Uh, Denver was a three-point advance favorite over Jacksonville. They are now up to a, a six-point road favorite. The New England Patriots, despite the loss to Miami, went from three-and-a-half to a, a current line of five-and-a-half. Uh, Arizona opened the field goal favorite. They are up to as high as four and a half in uh, many places, although I'm starting to see lines trending down towards uh, uh, four. Tampa Bay, uh, which which was a ten and a half point advance favorite. And of course, Atlanta losing badly at home to the Eagles and Tampa Bay with that narrow win over Dallas. They are now up to a 13 point favorite. So a two and a half point move in that one. Seattle has moved from a three and a half point favorite over Tennessee to a five and a half point home favorite. And uh, the Chargers remain at a three-point favorite against Dallas, despite Dallas's fine performance Thursday night. Kansas City, not a big movement in this one. Uh, they struggled with Cleveland, not a surprise. Uh, Baltimore, of course, had a 14-0 lead at Vegas Monday night. Kansas City did cross a key number, though. They had been a two-and-a-half-point road favorite before last week's games. They are now at a three-and-a-half-point favorite, and not much movement with the uh, Green Bay. There was not an overreaction to uh, Green Bay's loss or an overreaction to Detroit's uh, frantic uh, comeback despite being down 28. This advanced line was 11.5 for Green Bay at home on Monday night. It's gone down actually a little bit to 10.5. I expect that line to go back up as Monday night comes closer. So those are the uh, significant line moves for week two based upon where they were a week ago. Andy Isco shares the major line moves that have happened in Las Vegas from week one to week two. And I also want to mention to our listeners out there that uh, Andy alluded to the Superbook having the advanced lines posted before the football season began. And we post those advanced lines in the Playbook Football Preview Guide magazine so you can see every game every week of what that early advance line was in uh, at the Superbook, and I like to use those for what I would call value. If uh, for no other reason we see these lines move, and then we have to understand why they move, but nonetheless, you can view those in the Playbook Football Preview Guide magazine. Andy, once again, before I let you go, I know our listeners would love to know what you've got on tap for your complimentary play this week. Well, uh, one thing I did in the newsletter this this week, and I do it every year, is I sort of give some philosophical uh, thoughts for how to approach uh, the unfolding of the season. A lot of it has to do with basically you don't want to overreact to what you saw in week one. At the same time, you don't want to fail to react. Every result has some significance, and you know the betters and the handicappers have to decide exactly what uh, that significance is and place a certain amount of uh, weight on it. We don't know if week one's performance was a team's best, will end up being having been the team's best performance this year. Uh, whether it'll have been the team's worst performance this year or if it'll be somewhere in the middle, somewhere around a typical or an average performance. We won't know that until the season continues to unfold. So you don't want to overreact too much. At the same time, you do want to consider what happened. And the other thing, and this sort of alludes to the selection I'm 
going with this week, and that is uh, when two good teams face one another, one good team will lose. When two bad teams face one another, one bad team will win. So you don't necessarily want to downgrade the loser of a game between two good teams, nor do you necessarily want to upgrade the winner of a game between two bad teams. And I should actually use the words perceived because, again, anything can happen. But for the most part, the game that I'm looking at this week is a game that uh, will be played between two teams that are perceived as legitimate playoff contenders, and that's the Rams at the Indianapolis Colts. Rams were extremely impressive Sunday night in defeating uh, the Chicago Bears. New quarterback Matthew Stafford looked... uh, uh, lived up to hype, looked exactly what uh, Coach Sean McVay expected he was getting from Stafford, and that bodes well for a team that uh, now will have a potent offense uh, to complement an outstanding defense. Indianapolis lost to a very good Seattle team. Again, both teams considered playoff contenders, possible division champions, probably more so Indianapolis than Seattle, simply because Seattle plays in that tough NFC West where both the Rams and 49ers are expected to contend. And they did not play uh, their best game as they lost at home 28-10 to uh, the uh, Seattle Seahawks. But I'm going with the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, this week, getting plus four at home against those Los Angeles Rams. And there are a number of factors, but a lot of it has to do also with situations that develop throughout the course of a season. Yes, every game is important, but certain games are more important than others because of the scheduling dynamics. And I know, Mark, you point this out uh, in your, uh, your outstanding playbook preview guide when you show the schedule for each team and you also show what the team's records were of the, of the upcoming opponents last year. And look at this first five-game schedule for the Colts. Seattle, Rams at home, then on the road at Tennessee, Miami, and Baltimore in back-to-back weeks. What's unique about those five teams? All five of them won double-digit regular season games uh, last season. The Colts can ill afford to go 0-2 to start the season, but a, but, a Ram, but a loss to the Rams would do exactly that and then put them in a position where 0-5 is not an unrealistic possibility because Tennessee, despite what we saw in Week 1, is still a, a potent team. Same thing goes for Baltimore, and Miami went up and won on the road at New England. So I think we see uh, the best effort from Indianapolis this week. I'm not only taking the plus four, which will be the selection for this week, I'm going to have some of my play on the money line as I think this could be a defining game for the balance of the Indianapolis season, especially since the first of those three road games is at another division opponent, Tennessee, also off of a week one loss. Andy Isco all over the Indianapolis Colts this week for his complimentary play. A little bit of money line on the game as well. And Andy, I just want to mention this before I let you go. I mentioned about the advanced lines that the Superbook posted, and we ran those in the Playbook Football Preview Guide magazine this year. And that is the biggest value play from those early advanced lines, simply just given the fact that when Jay Cornegay sent those out, the Rams were one-and-a-half-point favorites in the football game. And this is the classic case of a reaction or overreaction based largely on what happened in week number one of the National Football League season. A ton of value on the Indianapolis Colts. Andy Isco is all over them for his complimentary play on the show this week. Andy, great job on the show as always. We look forward to visiting with you each and every week for the Vegas Vibe. I'm going to wish you the best of luck this week, and we'll catch up with you next week. Take care, Andy. Thanks, Mark. Uh, Best of luck to you and Victor and to all the listeners. And uh, let's have a great uh, second weekend in both the NFL and college football. That was Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And guys, don't go away. When we come back, Victor and I are going to put the final wraps on the show. I'll share with you my awesome angle of the week and complimentary place from Victor and myself when we're back with more here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Attention sports fans, it's time to get in on all the football action at mybookie.ag. This industry-leading website is renowned for having the best odds and more betting options than any other sportsbook online. Get the odds you want and the fast payouts you need, guaranteed. That's mybookie.a as in Apple and G as in games. Tell them Mark Lawrence sent you. Only the biggest. Only the best. Only at mybookie.ag. Sign up today. To put a final spin on this week's show, let's do what Mark does best, his awesome Awesome. angle of the week. All right, guys, let's get to it. Our awesome angle of the week on the football card this week. Once again, it's in college football, and we call this Double Deuce Dogs. And what we're looking to do is to play any college football 2-0 dog in game three of the football season that's taking more than four points 
who's coming off back-to-back point spread wins in both of those games if they're taking on an opponent that is also 2-0 on the season. So what we've got is a 2-0 dog taking more than four points against a 2-0 opponent. The 2-0 dog cashed both tickets. We're going to play him to cash again on these double-deuce dog plays because these teams are 18-4 against the spread since 1980. That's a pretty strong number. That's 82% against the spread. With that, we'll be taking the points with Purdue in their football game against Notre Dame on Saturday. And with that, I want to hand it off to Victor King from King Creole Sports to find out what Victor's got on tap on the football card this week. And Victor, if you would, share with us, our listeners out there, your complimentary play as well. Can do, Mark. Definitely. My final thought uh, on NFL Week 1 action is uh, my reaction to the Monday night game. And here's where I think that the Ravens lost that game very, very late in the fourth quarter. With 37 seconds left in the game, Baltimore kicked a field goal to go up 27-24 to 24 against the Raiders. So basically, what they did was they kicked the ball off into the end zone with Las Vegas out of timeouts in that particular game. Bad, bad coaching move. If they kick the ball to the five-yard line and Oakland runs it out, there's a very, very good chance Baltimore wins that game. 20 crazy minutes later, of course, the Raiders win. But this is all brought about by a fundamental basic strategy late-game error by Harbaugh, in my opinion. That's where Baltimore lost that particular game. So we're going to get into our free play of the week, Mark. And before we get into that, the Playbook Newsletter, a fantastic week. Best bets went 9-2 and two last week. The NFL Best Bets swept the board. You're going to want to get this week's issue. It's available at playbooksports.com for just $10. As is issue number two of the Totals Tip Sheet newsletter. And we do a little article on page one where we talk about the impact that a full stadium has as far as NFL over-unders go. Uh, Some interesting reading there as well. And that's also going to take us to our boy Tuco for his free play of the week. Tuco was off a winner last week. He picked up in 2021 right where he left off in 2020 uh, with the Chiefs going over their team total of 29.5 points against Cleveland. The two-year record now in team totals, 26-9 and nine now for Tuco. Now, I say it's for Tuco. We really know who does all the handicapping behind those plays. It's the master, but we give Tuco the credit, 26-9. and nine. In many, many ways, a team total is a lot easier to handicap than a full game total. But with that said, Tuco is moving to prime time this particular week. He's going to the Monday night game, and he's going to be playing the Packers over their team total of 29.5 points as they host the Lions on Monday night football. And man, oh man, there's no better way, there's no better time to ride a Packers over their team total than right after a game in which they literally, I mean, shit the bet on offense. Let's be honest. Three points last week against the Saints. They certainly did that on only 229 offensive yards. So you got a pissed off Aaron Rodgers. You know he's going to be going off this week, and he's looking for a whipping boy. He's got a tailor-made whipping boy in the Detroit Lions, last year's worst defense in the entire league. And they showed no offseason improvement whatsoever in last week's game one action in which they allowed 41 points to the Niners on 442 offensive yards. Uh, Don't look now, but check out Detroit's points allowed in their last seven games dating back to Turkey Day of last season. Detroit has allowed 41 points, 30 points, 31 points, 46 points, 47 points. 37 points and 41 points. That's seven straight games allowing 30 or more points and an average of 39.5. On the flip side, sharp over-under betters, you already know Green Bay was number one in scoring overall last year. They were the number one home over team last year. As division home favorites last year, they averaged 34 points per game. As favorites on Monday Night Football, Green Bay has averaged 33.4 points per game in the last five seasons. Again, we love this one so much, we're actually bumping it up in the newsletter from a two-star to a normal three-star play. We're giving the ball to Tuco, we're letting them run. 
He's got a brand new squeaky toy that he's celebrating this week, thanks to his win last week. It's going to be the Packers over their team total, 29.5 for Tuco. And don't forget the other two plays we talked about earlier. We're liking Alabama, Florida over the total. We're liking Buffalo, Miami in the NFL over the total, but at a line of 48 or less points only. Again, Tuco going over the total with the Packers. Uh, as far as our service, Mark, we're going to have our NFL plays up on Friday. We're going to have our college football over-under plays up on Friday as well. And uh, we're going to put out some baseball totals, too. We still got the baseball at 29 and 9, excuse me, 21 and 9 on the season, 70% winning percentage in baseball totals. That's number one in the country with the sports monitor. We're going to continue to fire out with uh, OG's two to three baseball over-unders per week until this hot streak comes to an end. Uh, That'll mean a game on uh, Wednesday night as well in Major League Baseball. So we're continuing the totals plays in multi-sports available at the playbooksports.com website. And I'll tell you what a lot of people want to know, Mark, is what do you have on tap this weekend? Well, Victor, before I get to what I have on tap this weekend, uh, I was going to comment when you said about the the poor performance by the Green Bay Packers last week. I was going to say that they're, you, have, you got a pissed-off bunch of Packers, but you put it better when you said they shit the bed. So either way, the Green Bay Packers are going to be highly motivated for this football game, and uh, I'm with Tuco all over that play as well. Uh, best of luck to you in that total on Tuco, and keep up that winning streak for Tuco, if you will. As far as what I've got on tap this week, we're doing a $79 fan appreciation weekend of football winners. And as Victor said, it couldn't come at a better time. We swept the board in college and pro football last week. And we're featuring our NFL underdog game of the month inside this package. You can get it all for just $79 complete when you log on now at playbooksports.com or Give our office a call toll-free for fast, friendly customer service at 1-800-321-7777. Before I get to my complimentary call, just a quick reminder that our good friends at mybookie.ag are offering up to a $1,000 sign-up bonus when you log on and use the promo code PLAYBOOK. Get your up to a $1,000 bonus at mybookie. Log on now at mybookie.ag with the promo code PLAYBOOK. With that, my complimentary play on the football card this weekend. We're going to go outside conference play this week and take the points with Tulane, getting 14.5 against Ole Miss. Ole Miss comes into this football game with a bigger game on deck next week. I would say they've got Alabama waiting on deck. That's a football game that you know Lane Kiffin will want to play much, much more so than Tulane in the worst of way. This Mississippi football team last year had a 521-yard defense. Now to start the football season, it looks like they've improved this year, but they haven't. They've improved against football teams that have not given them much resistance. They they put those yards up this year against the Houston Cougar football team that's averaging under 400 yards a game, and against Austin P. Look for Mississippi to revert closer to their 500-yard defense last year than where they are here right now. We also note that Ole Miss is just 1-9 against the spread when favored coming off back-to-back wins. And our good friend, Coach Willie Fritz from Tulane, is just the reverse. He's 9-4 to the spread against the SEC when his team is coming off of back-to-back wins as well. With that, we'll grab the points with Tulane for our complimentary play on the football show this week. And that's going to put the final wraps in this edition of Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. I want to thank our co-host Victor King from King Creole Sports, our good friend Andy Isco joining us from Vegas from TheLogicalApproach.com. Until next week, once again, this is Mark Lawrence reminding you to always remember to bet with your head, not over it, and good luck as always.